Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. series called why the question why 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 do we do what we do and and really it's just three week series but we've been talking about the first week why do good things happen to bad people and why do bad things happen to good people right And, and we spent time talking about that in our first week and so if you're struggling with that question go back and 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 watch that 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 sermon go back and listen to that podcast because i really think it will help and last week we talked about why should I keep praying when things didn't turn out the way that I thought they would, when, when nothing's moving, when it seems like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and coming right back, why should I keep praying? And today I want to talk to you as we end this series about driver's ed and garage doors, driver's ed and garage doors. And I want to talk to you and answer the question of why. And today we're going to talk about why should I give over control? Why should I give over control? When things haven't gone the way that I think they should, when when situations haven't turned out, when, when, when it seems like nothing is happening, why should I still yield my life and give control over my life and over my dreams and over my aspirations why should I give those over to God? And I don't want us to confuse something here because some of us would be like, sweet. You know, now I don't, you're talking about losing control, so I don't need self-control. That is not what I am saying at all. At home, put the ding-dong down, walk away, right? Like slowly, you and I as followers of Christ are called to have self-control. It is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Talks about it all the time throughout the Bible, that you're to have self-control, that a man without self-control is like a wall with, uh, with, with a city without walls. You know, it's just easy to be conquered. You're easy to be conquered. If you don't have self-control in any aspect of your life, you're going to be a victim of your decisions. Um, and, and there's a whole message there that I could go into. Today I'm not talking about self-control. Today I am talking to you control freaks out there, right? Um, today all of you control freaks. Man, I, I got to tell you, I am a control freak. I realize as preparing this message, I am a huge control freak. And here's how I define control freak. One who attempts to dictate all actions and outcomes. 
This is how you know you're a control freak. If you are one who tries to dictate all actions and outcomes, if you want to know who the control freak is, um, play a board game with your family. And that's not in the rules. They just make the rules up as they go. Why? Why? Because they're trying to dictate the outcome. Now, now, I've never heard of that rule, right? Well, it's, you can't pass go. You've got to go to jail. You don't collect $200. It's been a monopoly all along, Dad. Like, here, here's how I determined that I was a control, control freak. Two things. Um, the first one is this. Um, in the last 22 years of marriage, almost 22 years of marriage, I can probably count on my hand the amount of times Casey has driven instead of me. I hate riding in a car. Um, I would rather drive than ride any day of the week. Like any day of the week. Oh, I'll drive, Justin. No, you won't. I'll drive, right? Like, no, I'll be, you can be my wingman anytime, Justin. No, you can be my wingman, right? Like, I'm just like, no, I'm not going to be your wingman. I'm not going to sit in your front seat. You can sit in the front seat and I will drive. Here's why. Because I want to dictate the way we go. I want to dictate how fast we go. I want to make sure that I'm accelerating on the highway instead of just coasting on the highway because that's for losers. I'm not going to take the scenic direction or the scenic way. That's a slow way. That's for losers. We're going to get to point A to point B as fast as possible. I have a bit of a problem. I understand that. Um, don't judge me. You're the same way. You got this. You know this. Um, the other thing is this. For all of us that were in quarantine and, and still kind of in quarantine for the last month and a half to two months, there has been a power play that has been happening in every living room, in every bedroom, in every theater room, and it has been controlled for this, right? This right here. There has been a mad control over just, if you got this, let me tell you, you are the boss of the house, right? You are ruling, if you if you have this in your hand, like, like here's one thing that never happens. When we have company come over, the first thing they don't do is walk in and just grab my remote, right? Like, you're like, dude, that's a total power grab. That's not going to happen. We're going to fight, right? Like, like, that's, no. Like, if you control the remote the last month and a half to two months, congratulations. You are king of the castle and lord of the manor. I'm just letting you know, you, you have dominated. And the problem is, everybody wants to be in control of the remote. Right? Well, what, you're not fast-forwarding fast enough. Shut up, woman, I'm going as fast as I can, right? Like, you're, why are we watching this? Why are we on that channel? Go back. You know, you can rewind now. You can play. Like, pause it. And I'm just like, there's too many commands coming my way. I hold the remote. I do what I want, right? Control freaks, you are to control. Let's go back. You are to control. You're attempting to dictate all actions and outcomes. But here's the problem with the remote control: only one person can control the remote at a time. Right? Only one person can control the remote at a time. Even though there's several of us that want to. And some of you are going to have to go home and have a family discussion about a remote control when you get home now. Um, you're like, man, I have lost control of my household. It's time for me and my house. We will serve the Lord even with remote controls. Um, so, but the problem is only one of us can use and run the remote at a time. And what is true of a remote control is true of my life and your life. Especially for all of us control freaks is that only one thing, either you or the Lord is controlling your life at a time, right? Either you and, and your emotions and your tendencies and your feelings and your addictions are controlling you, 
And, and let's even spell it out this way. Even your good ideas or the Lord. It's an either-or thing. And so today, as we talk about, well, Justin, why, why should I give control over my life? Because it hasn't worked out. It, it doesn't look like what I thought it should look like. Why, why? I, I'm here, and I hear what you're saying, but why should I when my life doesn't look like what it should look like? Why? Well, today I want to give you three things. I want to give you a warning. I want to give you instruction. And I want to give you a goal. A warning, instruction, and a goal as we answer the question, why yield over, why give over control? And the first thing is this, the warning when it comes to control is this, the more we try to control things, the more things go off track. This is the warning of it. The more we try to control things and we try to dictate actions and dictate outcomes, the more things go off track. this last weekend, excuse me, last weekend, uh, I was driving home, and it's all about efficiency, right, for guys. You, you get home, you get back, it's a goal. How long did that take? How long did that take? How long did that take? Right? And so I'm, I'm out, I'm coming back home, and when I get to my neighbor's house, I always hit the remote control so that when I pull up to my garage, the garage door is ready, I'm in. It's all about efficiency. I'm telling you, I have a bit of a problem here today. Um, I have some issues, I understand. And so I, I hit my neighbor's house, I'm, I'm driving by my neighbor's house, I hit the remote control, I'm pulling in. Problem is this, and this is the only time this has happened in 20, almost 22 years of marriage that Casey and I being together is Casey is backing out when I hit the remote control. And the garage door comes down and bam, like whop, hits her car, um, puts a big scratch on her car. But the bigger thing is this, like nobody's going to see the scratch up there except me, right? And her car's dirty most of the time anyway, so you're really not going to see it. But anyways, um, it, is, it hits the top of her car, but the garage door comes off the rails. And so I can't get the garage door to go up anymore or to lower anymore because it's off the rail. Casey's stuck. She gets out of the car. She's like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, I can't believe I did this. I'm like, Casey, it is not, it's, it is completely your fault, right? No, no. I said, no, Casey, it is not your how stupid woman driver, right? No. I said, babe, this was my fault. I'm sorry. I don't know why you're apologizing. I don't, this was me. You, you were coming out. The problem was both of us were trying to control it. And when that happened, things got, we got in trouble, even though we both had good intentions, right? There was no malintentions in it. We both had good intentions, but when both of us were vying for control, it comes off the rails. Everything comes off track. And it's, for a lot of us, it's not that there's bad intentions. It's not that there's any ill intent in it. It's just we have issues wanting to control everything. And when you do, when it comes to your life and this whole following Christ and your life being the best, hear me, when you are buying for control, your life goes off tracks. Things get off track. When you're buying and you're trying to grab control instead of giving control. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. I I like this this scripture because a lot of us are are guilty of this. There's a path that looks right. It, It seems right. It seems good, right? 
well, this is a good thing. This is a right thing. This is a, a thing that I should be doing or I, I need to be doing and nothing's happening, so I'm going to do this. And it's not that it's, it, it seems bad. It's not that there's ill intent. It's not that this is a bad issue for you. Man, it seems right, but it ends in death. What does that mean? It means this. You may seem see a path that seems right to you, but if that path is not God's path, if you're just going down under your control instead of his, it's going to lead you to a place of regret and pain and hurt, and things are going to come off track really, really quickly. There's a difference between your way and God's way. And most of the time for me, I'll just be transparent because you would never do this, most of the time I take my path when I become impatient. Most of the time, I take my path when I become impatient, when things aren't moving, when things aren't happening in a way that makes sense. Well, why should, why should I just wait? Why should I still give control over? Why should I yield to this? And, and here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 out of the Amplified. It says this, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. Let, let's, let's just stop here for a second. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. This, is, you, this, this, this means your, your, your soul, right? With all, I'm, I'm trusting confidently in the Lord with my soul, with my heart. And don't, here's the warning, don't rely don't depend on your own insight or understanding. Well, I've lived life a while, Justin. Here's what I should be doing. None of that's what the Bible is saying. Don't rely on your wisdom. Don't rely on your way, on your insight, on your understanding. In every way, in all your ways, know, I love this, know and acknowledge and recognize him. Right? Because when, this is so good, when I know him, then I'm willing to recognize and acknowledge him. When I take time to have a personal relationship with him, then when I know him, I am a lot more willing to acknowledge and recognize his place and his rule on my life. Recognize him and the result is this, he will make your path straight and smooth. Removing obstacles that block your way. And the simple truth for you and for me today, and it's been true since the beginning of time, is you and I make a mess when we step in and take over instead of handing it over. Things get off track. Things go off the rails when you and I step in and we take over. Because it's not moving as fast as we need it to move. It's not moving in the direction that we think it should move. Whether this is relationship, whether this is finances, whether this is just life. What happens? Our impatience and our unwillingness to yield, life goes off track. Life goes off rails. And we make a mess. So what does God tell us to do? What's the instruction? This is the warning. So what's the instruction the Holy Spirit would tell us to do today? This is truly what I think. I think it really is this. It's not about you driving. It's not about you trying to control everything. It's about you buckling up and enjoying the ride. It's about you buckling up and enjoying the ride. And our second point is this. Don't be a backseat driver to God's direction. 
Don't be a backseat driver to God's direction. I am awful when I am, why are you going this way? What, 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 what possessed you to take that turn that way, right? Like, why aren't you going fast? Like, I, do, I don't understand. I still don't understand this. If you are on the highway and it says you can go 65, unless you are, are towing a ton load of stuff, and I literally mean a ton's worth of stuff, why aren't you at least going 65 on the highway? Put the pedal down to the ground and go 65 miles. You are not going to get a ticket for going the speed limit. Go already, right? Like, I am the worst at this. And my daughter is just, she just completed driver's ed Friday, right? So she gets her permit Monday, and I can't wait because I am going to be this guy to her. Like, why are you going that way? Why would you turn like that? Why would you break like that? That was way too hard. That's way too hard, right? I, I, I can't wait for this. And um, Charlie was, was in driver's ed, and as you know, I know, when you're in driver's ed, you go through driving, right? You, you start driving. And so before she ever started that, um, I took Charlie to a big parking lot. Like, hey, let's get you accustomed to how a car works. Let's get you kind of acclimated to, to, to driving a car and dealing with a car. And, you know, once you take your foot off the brake, it's going. They're, they, you know, it's, it, once it's in drive, it's going. And she's like, okay. And so she started doing really good. She got acclimated. She realized how to turn, how to park, how to brake, what brake, gas, which one it is. Problem is, uh, first day of driver's ed, they get there. They're getting instructions. They're studying for the test. Um, but the first day, they take the kids out, and they want to evaluate where each kid is in their driving. And so Charlie gets in the car with two other teenagers, and there's, they're driving around downtown Bixby in that little square area. You know what I'm talking about. There's kind of a park in the center of their, their square. And, and one girl had never, ever, ever driven a car. Never. Like, she didn't know the difference between the gas and the brake. I think she just thought there was one big pedal. Um, she, she had never been in. And so they're driving around downtown Bixby, and it's this girl's turn, and she's with the coach. That's who a driver's ed teacher is. Aren't they always a coach? And so um, they're driving around, this girl's driving, and he says, turn. And she turns, and she just keeps turning. She never straightens a wheel out, right? She keeps turning, and there's a construction sign, and he goes, hit the brakes, and she got the brake confused with the gas, and she goes right into the construction sign, goes through it, he's like, hit the brakes, and she's still on the gas, and she's up on the sidewalk of the park, and finally, he just reaches over and jams the thing, the transmission into park, from drive to park, because he's got a brake on his side, but it's not working, he's like, brake, 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 and he just slams it into drive, you know, I mean, in park, and like, it stops the car, and she's like, I'm so sorry, right, like, I'm sorry, Charlie, and the other girl in the back like giggling and laughing like it was crazy amazing I'm glad it wasn't me right so so here we are here's this story and the reason I'm telling you this story is who are you in the story as you evaluate the story who are you and most of the time for all of you control freaks out for all you control freaks watching at home you're the coach you're the driver's ed teacher Right? You're, you're trying to hit the brake of where God's telling you to go. I don't want to go that way, God. No, 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 no. You're going the wrong way. And when it doesn't go your way, and when God's taking you in a way that doesn't make sense, our tendency is when we can't stop it, we just slam it into gear. And we take over. And we take control. And we become a backseat driver 
to God's direction. And yet here's what it says in Matthew chapter 16, and I love this verse, and I love this translation of it. Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. This is the translation of the verse a lot of you have heard. Uh, uh, anyone who wants to come after me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow after me. This is that verse. And I love it. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Jesus is telling us today for, for a way we can understand this, you don't even get to ride shotgun with me, bro. Right? I don't know if he actually said bro, but... Um, close enough. Like you're not, you don't, you don't get a shotgun seat on this trip. You don't get a break on your side. If you're going to really follow after me, buckle up and enjoy the ride. It's not about you determining the direction. It's not about you determining the path that I want to take you on. I know, man, I'm, I'm not about efficiency. I'm about developing you. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Don't, don't slam the gear on. Don't be the backseat driver like my mother-in-law is. Anytime you like accelerate quick, <gasps> oh my gosh, Justin, what are you doing? I'm getting on the highway, Debbie. That's what I'm doing. Just shut up and enjoy the ride. Just, that's it. That's it. I know you watch it. Just enjoy, right? Like, oh, <gasps> I'm like, we're all going to pass out because you just took all the oxygen out of the cab, right? Like, just stop. But don't we do the same thing with the Lord? God, what are you doing? God, why aren't you doing this? God, why are you taking this way? Why'd you let this happen? And our tendency is to be the coach and to take over. Our tendency is to be, well, that's not the, that's not, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your insight. Why should you give over control? Because if you're really going to follow him, there's no other way to follow him. If you're really going to follow him when you don't understand And when it's not going and when nothing's happening, and that's what I struggle with, when things aren't happening, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make it happen, right? I I become really dumb, and I'm just going to make stuff happen. Why should you trust? Because the way to follow him is giving control. What do you do when it's not moving and you don't understand? Here's what the Bible says in Psalms 46.10. It says, be still and know, recognize, and understand that I am God. Right? Stop moving. Don't hit the gas. Right? The girl would have been okay if she would hit the brake. Like the coach was saying. Like if she would have hit the brake, like it's like a new yoga pose. Um, but if she would have hit the brake instead of hitting the gas, she would have just gotten still. She would have been okay. And some of you, that's what the Lord, stop, stop, stop hitting the gas. Stop. Be still. For all you control freaks, this is hard. Be still. And understand, recognize, know that he is God. He is in charge. And he knows where he is wanting to take you and me. Because here's the great thing that you can understand about the Savior you serve. We get caught up in the here and now a lot. But your Savior and your Heavenly Father, he's got the big picture in mind the whole time. He's got the big picture in mind the whole time. So why you may not understand why you're dealing with this right now, let it play out. Keep letting him lead. Keep letting him to the driver's seat and buckle up. And that's the instruction. Buckle up and enjoy the ride because the goal for you and me, 
when it comes to control is this. The goal is not to gain control, but to give control. The goal of following Christ isn't, isn't to gain control, isn't to manipulate the situation, isn't to dictate the actions and the outcome of everything that you're, no, 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 the goal for you and me as followers of Christ is that they would see our lives and it wouldn't glorify us, it wouldn't point to how smart we are, how talented we are, but the Bible says it, that they saw their good works and it, they glorified their heavenly Father. Our goal isn't to gain control, but to give control. I love this quote, and it's by an unknown source, but it just says, I've learned that when you try to control everything, you enjoy nothing. I've learned when you try to control everything, you enjoy nothing, and it's so true. So today, I, I want to be very clear. Today, I'm not saying that you are not called to be responsible. Some of you are like, well, I might as well not even try. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm saying, right? Like, well, God's in control of my grades, mom and dad. Like, I don't know why. I thought he would just do the homework, you know, and I'm getting zeros all the way. What, 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 what? You know, no, that's not what we're saying today. It's not that you stop being responsible. It's that you stop being a control freak. Being responsible means this, having the obligation to do something as one's job or role. You have an obligation to do something as your job and as your role. And where a lot of our culture has gone wrong is that we have become an irresponsible culture instead of a responsible culture. You are called to, as your role and as your job and in certain stages of life, to own up to the responsibility that you have. It isn't somebody else's job to fix your life. That is your heavenly Father's job and for you to yield control to Him and follow Him. That's what the Bible is saying. And let me take some pressure off some parents today. Man, your job, your role, your responsibility is to be their parent. Not their buddy, not their friend, but to be their parent right now. If your kid is under the age of 18, and I would even say under the age of 21, your job is to be their parent. Not their cool head. Man, we're bros. That's awesome. Great. He needs you to be his dad. Well, they're my best girlfriends. That's great, but they need you to be their mom. Because they've only got one mom and they've only got one dad. So don't you dare vacate that responsibility and not step up into it. Your job as a parent, boil it down real quick because... I could talk about this for a while, is to prepare them, not to protect them, right? That's your job as a parent, to prepare them for the world, not to shelter them from it. That's your job. That's your role. Prepare them because the goal is that they would leave your house, right? Like some of us are laughing because we're like, oh, I know a lot of people that haven't left their house, right? The goal is that you prepare them. I, I love my daughters. I was talking to Charlie and Chloe about this the other day. I'm going to be like, I would be super sad when you leave for college and move out of my house, when you graduate college and you don't live with me ever, ever, ever again. And they're like, yeah, it would be sad. I mean, I guess I could move in. I'm like, no, you would move out and never, ever, ever live with me Again, my job is to prepare them. And, and hear me, if they're at the age of 21, parents, you're not responsible at this point. You're, you're responsible to be their parent, but you can't dictate the outcomes anymore. At some point, that child's got to be responsible for them. So stop beating yourself up and stop trying to dictate their actions and outcomes. Spouses, 
Man, you're called to be a faithful spouse, a present spouse, a good spouse, a selfless spouse, a faithful spouse. I'll say it again, a faithful spouse, a faithful spouse, a faithful spouse, right? But you can't dictate and control their actions, and now comes all the time. That's not your, you got to be responsible for your job and your role, but you can't control theirs. And it goes on and on and on. We can't, and so John the Baptist comes to this place. And he says the same thing. Your job isn't to be the biggest part in, in control of all this. Your job is to lose control and to give control over to your heavenly father. So John the Baptist gets ready to share this verse with us. Not like here. He's not getting ready to be like a, like a hologram all of a sudden. But um, as we get ready to read this verse from John the Baptist, uh, he, his ministry is starting to kind of take off. And people are coming out to see the crazy man who's baptizing people, who's dressed in camel hair and eating honey and locusts, right? And saying like outrageous things, and it's starting to draw a crowd. And he baptizes Jesus, and then all of a sudden, Jesus' ministry starts taking off. And people start following Jesus instead of John the Baptist. And, and even some of John the Baptist's disciples start following Jesus. And, and, and you think about this for just a second. Put yourself in John the Baptist's shoes. This is a hard place to be. What you work for is finally taken off just for God to take it a different direction. That, that's tough. And, and, and the disciples are, John the Baptist's disciples are getting mad and they're upset and they're like, what, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? And John the Baptist says this in John 3.30. He says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. That's the goal. He must become greater and greater. He must increase and I must decrease. And, and somewhere along the line of life, we've forgotten that. Somewhere, somewhere along the relationship, we've forgotten that our goal as following Christ, this isn't the warning, this isn't the struggle. The goal that our life would look like is that he would be a lot bigger in my life and I would be a lot smaller. That he'd have a whole lot more control and I don't have hardly any of it. He would become greater and greater, and I would become less and less. Why? Because when my life is lived that way, when that becomes a reality, my life's way better off. Because he knows where my life needs to go instead of where I want to go. And he knows where your life needs to go instead of where you want to go. I saw this illustration this last week, and you may have seen it, but it's too good not to use. I went and played golf Thursday, and I'll just be honest, it was awful. Um, I enjoy playing golf. I would be great on one hole and awful on the next, and great on a hole and awful on the next. But I enjoyed getting to play. I, I really did. I had fun. And I love, I got my new golf clubs last year. Uh, it was my birthday present. I love these clubs. The problem isn't the clubs, it is the operator of the clubs, right? And so um, I am not what you would call a great golfer by any means. I am an okay golfer, but not great by any means. So when I hold this golf club, um, it is worth what I paid for it. In fact, it has devalued in its, its value because I have played rounds of golf with it, right? I mean, it is what it is. Like if you drive a car off the lot, you just lost a lot of money, right? Why? Because now it's used. These are now used. However, However, if I was to put this golf club, not in Justin Graves' hand, but into Tiger Woods' hands, right? And he played around a round of golf with him. This club went from like 50 bucks worth 
millions of dollars. If I, if I grab a basketball, it's not worth much in my hands. But if I go and have Michael Jordan sign it, greatest player ever, I don't care what you say about LeBron James. Anyways, um, if I go and have Michael Jordan sign it or I have LeBron James sign it and play with it, and, man, it's worth millions of dollars in their hands. If I have a football and I'm with it and like, oh, yeah, it's worth what I paid for it. Not even worth that after I start playing with it, right? But if Patrick Mahomes has it, bro, it millions of dollars because Patrick Mahomes was in control of it. And the same is true. What is true for these golf clubs and basketballs and footballs is true for your life and my life. See, there's always a lot more value to your life, and it's used a lot better way when something besides you is in control and possession of it. He's got to become greater. You've got to become less. Why do you give control? Because when you give control, your life is lived out in a way more valuable way in a lot more efficient, useful way that you can never do on your own. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today. And God, I, I recognize today it's one of those topics I struggle with. It's one of those areas of my life that I just have a hard time with. And I, I would bet to venture that a lot of us watching and a lot of us here today struggle with as well. And so God, even when it's not, there's not ill intent in my problems, in my control issue moments, God, I've got good intentions, but that's not the way I'm called to live this life out. The goal isn't for me to be in control over it so everybody looks at my life and is like, man, Justin's the wisest guy in the world. Look how talented. No, no, no. It's to point to you. To point to your rule and your plan and say, man, look what God has done in Justin's life. Lord, you know what's best. You know the best path. You know the best way. And you know the best timing for me. And so, Lord, where we're struggling on our path, on our timing and our way. God, I pray that we wouldn't rely on our our own insight or understanding, but we would know, acknowledge, and understand and lean on you. God, I pray today that you would help us to just buckle up and enjoy the ride. Lord, Lord, not to criticize, not, Lord, we don't enjoy anything as we are criticizing a ride. Why are they turning this way? Why are they going this way? Lord, we do the same thing when it comes to our life. And Lord, a lot of us, we aren't enjoying the journey whatsoever. But Lord, if we're going to, if we're going to follow after you, we can't lead anymore. We can't lead. You're in the driver's seat. So God, let us be better at surrendering control. Let us be better at yielding to you and following you. May we become less and less so that you can become more and more and our life can be better and better. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. Today you may be here in this place or maybe you're at home watching online. You say, Justin, you know what? I've been in control of my whole life. 
And really where I'm at isn't where I should be. And my life is a mess. My life's a wreck. Today, maybe you're here and maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're watching online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. Today, you may be here and and maybe it's about you recommitting your life. Maybe as you're watching in your living room or at your home, it's just about you know you're not where you should be and you need to be. And if that's you, when I count to three, if you're here in this place, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're at your house watching online, I want you just to raise your hand. It may feel weird. I know that. It may feel awkward. Lean into the awkwardness. But let there be some real change that happens. And we're going to lead you in a prayer in just a second when I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today say, Justin, that's me. You just lift your hand. You just lift your hand. Is there, is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me today? And you just raise your hand where you are. If you repeat this prayer after me, Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I repent which means I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.